Thanks, Chelsea, for sharing. Um, all right, so today we have the special privilege of worshiping through uh, receiving the word from Pastor Ralph Howe. Uh, just some information to introduce him. Uh, he is a resident of the Winter Garden area, uh, and he is starting a ministry called Crossroad Impact Ministries. Uh, he recently finished his tenure as senior pastor at LifeBridge Church, uh, and before that he started the Winter Garden campus of Discovery Church. Uh, people know him, uh, who know him say that he is an amazing teacher of God's word and highly gifted in encouragement. Uh, so if you need some encouragement today, you can come find him at the end of service uh, and say hello. Uh, fun fact, before he was a pastor, he was a professional golfer. He, he played in the PGA, and from what I've been told, he used to play with Phil Mickelson. I don't know if you, but yeah, that's, that's crazy. Uh, so yeah, so all of the golfers in here today, uh, you can take him out for a game, and then after he beats you really bad, he can encourage you. Um, yeah, he, he's married to his wife, Melinda, and they have four children. Uh, I believe some of them, or all of them, are here, and some other family members. Um, yeah, let's welcome Pastor Ralph as he comes up to share the word. All right. Thank you. So glad to be with you this morning. And Chelsea, thank you for your testimony. I'm so glad to be uh, able to visit at a church where you would produce that kind of testimony. So uh, thank you for the ministry that you all are doing here. I'm going to tell you something that you, don't, that you already know. You don't need me to say it. But uh, I don't know DL really well. But uh, you have a wonderful shepherd and pastor in DL. I can see that. And uh, so I'm grateful to be building a relationship and a friendship. And I, I am an encourager. That's part of my spiritual gifting. I charge $10 per encouragement. Okay, so if you need encouragement today, you just I take cash. I prefer cash, all right? Uh, but I will encourage you uh, after you pay me. Um, I, I did play professional golf, and uh, I actually taught golf. I lived in Beijing, China for four years, and uh, not really much of an encourager, but I had a phrase in Chinese. It goes like this. Some of you may know. I don't know if any of you know Chinese. Uh, probably some of you do. Ni da hui gan han bu hao. Somebody knows. <laughs> that means your swing is very bad. Okay? So uh, I am an encourager, but not always on the golf course. All right? So, hey, I, I want to pray, and then I'm so grateful to have an opportunity to share from the Word. Let me add my prayer to the morning. Father, we love you, and we've gathered above and beyond anything else. We've gathered to worship you this morning and to proclaim the greatness of your name and the love that you've extended through Jesus. So, Father, we... We gather as friends both new and old this morning, and our common bond is our love uh, for Jesus. Father, I ask that you would do your work in this room this morning and through the internet this morning, God, that for those who need encouragement, that encouragement would come. Father, for those who may need conviction, that conviction would come as you bring it for the purpose of repentance and restoration. Father, I pray that in all things what we do today, uh, we would bring you glory and honor in Jesus' name. 
Amen. All right. Well, I love the series that you guys are in. DL told me you're in a summer series in the book of Psalms. And so I'm going to talk about Psalm 23. And only just the first verse, actually, but it'll give an insight into the whole psalm. It's a psalm you can study for three or four months at a time. And uh, so I'm very grateful to be able to do that. I want to start with a quote from a man named A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer says this, What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, think about that for a minute. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because if somebody says, hey, you know, they mentioned God to you, if you think of God as being angry and judgmental and a God who's waiting to catch you doing something wrong so that he can punish you, then you will live your life in fear and in shame. And that is the exact opposite of who God really is. So in Psalm 23, when King David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he meant something very specific. And so I'm going to talk just a little bit about shepherds this morning, and then we're going to talk a lot about sheep. But a proper understanding of who God is shapes everything about us. When we understand that he's a shepherd, it sets you free to live your life with joy and with freedom and with trust. And so I love Psalm 23. The Bible's an amazing book. I love the Bible. It's packed with history and prophecy and wisdom and poetry. And the Psalms are in the poetic section of the Bible. And they touch the deepest core of our souls. And the longer you live, the longer I've lived, I will testify to this, the more the Psalms come to mean to you. Because when you walk through something in life, whether it's filled with joy or filled with pain, you realize God meets you there through what was penned in the Psalms. And so King David wrote about half of the Psalms, about 75 of the Psalms, and he wrote Psalm 23. So uh, I don't know your tradition here, but if you're comfortable, I would love you to stand with me now and read I will read this scripture together, and this is Psalm 23. There we go. All right, let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you for standing for God's word. You can be seated. David says the Lord is my shepherd, but it's not the first sentence in the psalm. If you see that, the first line we read says a psalm of David. And that was probably added after the psalm, almost certainly. It's an identifier. But, but we, we absolutely understand that David wrote this psalm. So let me just talk about David for a minute. And in talking about David, we're going to talk about the idea of a shepherd. Once we've done that, we'll move and talk about sheep a little bit. But who is David? Well, we know David. He's the second king of Israel. He's the most famous king in Israel. So much of the Old Testament section of Scripture is dedicated to the life of King David. But, but David has a second identity. Before he was a king, do you remember what he was? I know a lot of you know Scripture. He, he was a shepherd. 
Exactly. So before he was a king of Israel, David was a shepherd. So listen, I want to make sure this point is clear. When David said, the Lord is my shepherd, that was not a vague statement. He didn't just pull a vague word. He was being very specific. Because David was a professional shepherd. He was an expert shepherd. He knew everything about shepherding. And understanding the shepherd and the relationship to the sheep, he wrote this down. He went, oh, this is a perfect analogy. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, I... I, I I played professional golf for nine years and I called myself the leading money spender on tour, which means I wasn't very good ultimately as a career. But you can say that I'm an expert golfer. I mean, I dedicated much of my life to it. I was a professional. If someone said this, if someone wrote, the Lord is a golfer, that would mean something incredibly specific to me. Do you understand? David was a shepherd. And David, when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, again, he meant something very tangible and very specific, so let's talk about it. And remember, when we meet David, when we meet David, he's a teenager. He's the youngest of eight brothers, right? Chelsea said she's an only child. He had seven brothers. I wonder if he would have, he was probably asking his parents, couldn't I have been an only child, right? Right, maybe. My kids say that once in a while. We have four teenagers. Um, So Samuel is the prophet, Saul is the first king of Israel, and Saul's been rejected by God as king. Samuel comes to this man, Jesse, who has eight sons. The youngest is David. And Samuel says, one of your sons has been called by God to be the next king. And Samuel meets the first seven brothers, and none of them are going to be the next king. And Samuel says, you must have more sons. And he said, I do. David is the youngest. But then he said this, but he's out tending the sheep. See, when we meet David... He's a shepherd. He's just out shepherding. Later on, and of course he comes in and Samuel anoints him as the next king of Israel, but he didn't become king right away. And so then King Saul, we read this in 1 Samuel 16, 19. See if I get there. There we go. So it says this, Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse, David's father, and said, Send me David, your son, listen, who is with the sheep. I don't want us to miss this fact as we study Psalm 23. David's identity was known as he's the guy who's with the sheep. Because David is the shepherd. And this is so interesting. David's going to move on from shepherding to becoming the king of the nation. And here's what I want you to know. Being a shepherd and being a king is the same job description. It's the same job description. So I just want to point out one reality of what it means to be a shepherd before we talk about sheep. And here's the first one. When David wrote those words, David understood that to be a shepherd means you must defend the sheep. Now, please make this personal as I'm speaking this morning. The Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is the one who defends you. He protects you. He provides for you. He's your shepherd. David understood that to be a shepherd means you step in front of anything dangerous that comes along and you stand in between your sheep and the threat. Do you understand? So we come to the story of David and Goliath. Just very briefly, I'll bet most everybody knows the story. Goliath is a warrior for the Philistines and the Philistines and the Israelites are lined up to have a battle and Goliath comes forward, a giant of a man, 
and he is blaspheming the name of the God of Israel. And he is taunting the army of Israel. And Saul is there with Israel's army, and Saul is the tallest and the strongest in all of Israel. It was Saul's responsibility as king and shepherd to go out there and fight with Goliath to defend the name of the God of Israel. But Saul didn't do it. You know why? He wasn't truly a shepherd. Because David knows that a shepherd defends the flock. So David was there that day. He was a teenage boy. He wasn't part of the army. He was there because he brought food and supplies to his brothers, his older brothers, who were in the battle. And he gets there and he sees this Philistine mocking the name of the one true God. And David goes to Saul and says, I'm going to fight that guy and I'm going to defeat him. And you know what Saul said to him? He said, no, you're just a boy. David, you're just a shepherd. You can't fight him. That was the word of the king to David. So David says, no, you don't understand. Like, in my role as a shepherd, I have fought lions And I have stood between my flock and bears, and I have killed the bear, and I have killed the lion, because when you're a shepherd, you defend the flock, and the nation of Israel is the flock of the one true God. And so David goes, and he fights Goliath, and Scripture tells us he went into a riverbed, and he took a stone, he took five smooth stones, and he took a slingshot, and he hit Goliath in the head, and he killed Goliath. And then I want you to understand this, this this is, I'm making a point here, really, really important, and it applies to everybody here. David took that stone that day, and Scripture, David says this, I'm throwing my stone, listen, so that the world will know that there is a God in Israel. David threw his stone that day, literally, to defeat an enemy of God, to show the world that there is a one true God. Now, I say that, and by the way, this rock that I'm holding up, I took out of the riverbed, in the valley where David killed Goliath in Israel. Really cool. And a matter of fact, Chelsea, I'm going to give this to you because I'm so wonderfully just impressed by your testimony. So I'm going to give that to you. So you'll get that. Then when you go there, you can put it back. Okay? Here's why I'm telling you this. David literally threw a stone that day to declare the greatness of the one true God. But I believe... Each of the Psalms, the 75 Psalms that David wrote, figuratively, they were stones that David threw. Do you understand? Psalm 23 is a stone that David has thrown into the world so that we can all know that there's a God in heaven. And now here's the challenge for you. What stone are you going to throw? What stone has God placed in your hand that you are to throw so that the world can know that there's one true God? Now, I didn't come up with that question. A man named Ray Vanderland came up with that question. He's a wonderful teacher, and he says it like this. He says, throw your stone so that the world may know. So understand as we go into Psalm 23, I believe that's a a figurative stone that David has thrown And thousands of years later, it's still declaring to the world that there is a God, okay? So, the Lord is my shepherd. The number one role of a shepherd is to protect the sheep. 
Now let's move to the sheep for a minute. I'm going to spend the rest of the message on a word that's not even in the psalm. Is that okay? Can I do that? Is that all right? Because when David says the Lord is my shepherd, clearly the implication is we're his sheep, right? But the, Psalm 23 never talks about sheep directly. But clearly the implication is there. So let's talk about sheep for a minute. Because here's the reality. We live in a beautiful creation, a wonderful world that God has made. But sin has marred this world, and this world is a dangerous place. This world is a broken and a dangerous place, and we need a shepherd. And the last thing I want to be identified as in a dangerous and a broken world is a sheep. I don't want to be a sheep. Sheep are not impressive. Have you been around sheep? I've only seen them a couple times in person, maybe a handful of times, but you see videos on YouTube or whatever. Sheep are not impressive. I want to be a superhero. You know, I want to be, you know, any of you go to school where the mascot for your school was a sheep? Right, exactly, my point's made. When, when, we do, when we do our mascots, what do we do? The gators, right? Right, the gators. Right, we got the gators, the chomp, right? I mean, you, you, go, you go up against the gators, that gator's gonna roll you and pull you under. That's why you pick a mascot like that, because it's fierce and it's gonna win, right? You got the Clemson Tigers up here. Tigers, ferocious, tell you from limb to limb. UCF, any UCF fans out there? A couple of them, all right, all right. Good, you guys and the Florida guys can wrestle at lunch. We'll see who wins. UCF, the Knights, Knights are strong. They're, they're valiant. They fight to the end. And then you have sheep. Just these, if, I don't want to use the wrong word. I don't know, you know. Unintelligent animals. Is that one, is that okay? And, you know, the biblical narrative gets worse because the Bible clearly says that you and I, we're like sheep in a broken and a dangerous world. And then they, the Bible says we have an enemy. He's called the devil. And 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is no environment for a sheep. Sheep need a shepherd. So when King David wrote the idea of the Lord is our shepherd, he also knew intimately what sheep are like. So let's talk about sheep for a minute. Number one, sheep get lost. I don't know if you know this. Sheep get lost easily. You know, animals, a lot of animals have like this instinct, like they know how to get home. You know, we have, we have, we've always had cats in our family. We have two cats. And, you know, I'll drive into the neighborhood and I'll see one of my cats way off on the other side of the neighborhood. And I'm always amazed that they know how to come right back to the front door. I mean, I just, you know, they're smarter than I realize, obviously. But, but like they know how to get home. Sheep aren't like that. You can bring a, a group of sheep to a pasture, perfectly good pasture, and over time, they'll just start to wander off. Like their head's down and they're just eating and they just walk and they'll look up and they'll be all by themselves and they don't know where they came from or how to get back to the group. So you know what they do? They stand there and nervously go, bah, bah. You know what they're saying? They're ringing the dinner bell. Dinner's ready. Predators, come and get me. I'm all by myself. I'm afraid and alone. Sheep get lost all the time. They need a shepherd to direct them, 
to bring them back in the right path. They need a shepherd to guide them from one place to the next. And scripture says of you and I in Isaiah 53, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of, our, of us all. Sheep get lost. I don't know where you are in your faith or your understanding of God's love letter to us called the Bible, but one of the first things we need to understand in each and every one of us is lost. Each and every one of us has turned our back. We've gone the wrong way. We have sinned. We need to understand that as sheep, we've wandered off and we're lost. I said this a minute ago. Let me just illustrate it. Sheep are not smart. Uh, apparently, this is true. I've watched enough YouTube videos to know this is true. If you want to Google, like, see something funny this afternoon, just Google, like, you know, sheep aren't smart on YouTube, you know, and you'll get these videos. You've probably seen some of them. You know, just the one I saw a few weeks ago. I could have brought it. I just didn't, didn't think to pull it out and bring it, but... There's a video of a sheep like, and a shepherd, and there's a crack in the ground. It's like, I don't know, two feet wide, and it's really long. I don't know why it's there, but it's this crack in the ground, and the sheep had gone headfirst into it, and he was stuck, and only his little hooves of his back feet were sticking up out of the ground. And the shepherd was pulling and yanking and took him a 10 or 15 seconds, and he rescues the sheep from this just dying in this crack in the ground. And the sheep gets out, and the shepherd puts him on the ground, and the sheep immediately bounces three times and goes right back into the crack. If you haven't seen it, you can look it up. You'll find it on Google. We cry, our family just cracks up when we see it. So funny. I'm glad I'm not like that. Here's another thing that's true about sheep, and it's true about me too, and it's true about you. Uh, sheep follow the pack. Sheep don't do a lot of thinking for themselves. Sheep just kind of keep their head down and they eat and they follow the hooves in front of them and eventually they wander off and they go off on their own. But when they're walking, sheep will follow the pack and we do too. And here's the problem. The pack that you may be following is a worldly system that will lead you away from the ways of God. You know, I mean, the, the marketing industry, advertising industry is a billions and billions of dollar a year industry because the marketing geniuses know that we will follow other people, right? My kids, middle school, high schoolers, you know, you, you, you buy jeans with holes all over the place. They look like you just went through World War III and they cost like three times more than just a normal nice pair of jeans. We're just following the pack, but she's got them, but he's wearing that. And so we just follow the pack. We live in a culture that needs Jesus, but we live in a culture that if we follow it, will lead us away from the righteousness and the holiness of God. We cannot afford to follow the pack. We have to follow Jesus, the shepherd. But this is true about sheep. They follow the pack. This one's interesting. I think this is worth mentioning, and I believe that uh, this might be the point for somebody here or online this morning. This might, this might be the point you're going to take home and go, that one was for me today. Here's something that's true about sheep. Sheep don't carry burdens. There it is. I got it. I got it. It's my first time with a clicker. I like it. Just never done it before. Um, sheep are not pack animals. Like, you don't see sheep loaded up with packs. You see that with donkeys, right? In the Middle East, you see it with camels. Camels are pack animals. You can load hundreds of pounds on their back, and they'll just walk wherever you want them to take it, wherever you want them to go. But sheep are not like that. 
You, you, you'll never see sheep carrying burdens because God didn't design them to do it, and they will not do it. They will not carry burdens. So here's my question. Why are you carrying the burdens that you're carrying? What are you worried about today? What are you concerned about? What are you afraid of? What are you ashamed of? Jesus died to take away the shame of my past. He died so that you don't have to carry the burden of the guilt that you feel over things that you may have done. And the lie of the enemy is to say, well, you can come to faith in Jesus, but you're still, you still have to carry that burden. Guys, you're a sheep and he's your shepherd and he's released that burden off your back. You don't have to carry it. Matter of fact, you aren't designed to carry the stress of the weight of life in a broken world. That's why there's so much mental illness in our world. That's why there's so much lack of sleep and insomnia and so much relational strife and brokenness because we aren't meant to carry the stress. And if you've come to faith in Jesus, you don't have to carry the burden. I have some circumstances in my life I could be worried about. I have some circumstances that could cause me some fear. The unknown in the future causes stress in all of us, doesn't it, to a degree? But listen, in your quiet time, you need to win the battle, and you need to give it to the Lord. You don't have to carry it. Psalm 55, 22 says this, cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. You know, I said I didn't like being a sheep. I'm starting to warm up to this idea. Especially when I've got a shepherd who's going to step in front of the lion and the bear and protect me. Especially when I've got a shepherd that if I wander off, he's going to go get me and bring me back. Especially when I've got a shepherd that knows right where the best pasture is so that I can eat and I can sleep in safety while he watches over me. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Please understand, you're to make that personal. Just another lighthearted moment, but this is still very real. Uh, sheep are defenseless. You ever seen a sheep try to defend itself? Bah! It's really scary when they do that. All the fierce animals run away when a sheep does that. No, they don't. You know, animals have defense mechanisms. You have fight, you have flight. Animals have this thing where it's like, I'll call it like posture. Like animals have a certain posture. Like a snake, if you corner a snake, it'll curl up and, you know, do the teeth or rattle the tail. Like it's, they're, they're, they're scaring you away. You know, my cats, my cats are hysterical. You know, they'll sit in the front porch and another cat will come into their territory, walk into the yard. You know, I just embarrass my daughters, but I do that on purpose. I tell them I'm 56. I don't care anymore. I don't care but they do, so I embarrass them. They're the two with their faces in their hands right now. You ever seen a cat fight? Tail puffs up, right? They're going, I have teeth, watch out, I got teeth. Sheep don't do that. Oh, I don't need that on, what am I doing? <laughs> Sheep don't do that. Sheep can't run away, they aren't fast, they don't climb, they don't have wings. They have no natural defenses. They don't have sharp teeth or claws. There's only one defense that a sheep has when danger comes, and that's to run behind the shepherd. 
And guys, here's a reality of your life as you seek to follow Jesus. You will never be independent of your need of God in your life. There, there's, there's kind of an idea, I think, in America and the Western world where we become strong and independent. Like if you're going to be successful, you're going to be strong. You're going to be your own man. You're going to be your own woman. You're independent and strong. Listen, the message of Christianity is that you are strong beyond anything you ever thought possible in your life, but it's not your strength. It's the strength of God in you. You will never outgrow your dependence on the shepherd. But when you understand who he is in your life, as A.W. Tozier says, when you, when you think about God and you rightly understand him as a shepherd, as a lover of your soul, as a defender, as one who's pulling for you and providing for you, the peace and the rest and the strength that comes from that. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 94, verse 22. The Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. Guys, we we need him. We need him, and it's okay to acknowledge it. And so, kind of winding down here, I've made this whole point just to say what's obvious at this point, I believe. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd, and Jesus said it himself in Matthew 9. Jesus, this is Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So, do you, do you know Jesus as your shepherd? Do you know Jesus as your savior? This is a wonderful church. I know the scriptures are taught and the gospel is presented. And I want to be part of that legacy of this church. And I want to say to those here in the room and those online, if you've never come to faith in Jesus, understand you have a huge problem because your sin has separated you from a holy and a righteous God. He loves you so much that he died for you to pay for your sin, but you must confess your sin. You must repent of it, and you must ask Jesus to be your Savior. And when you do that, he becomes your shepherd. Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. 2,000 years ago, well, let me say this, 3,000 years ago, when David fought Goliath, He was acting as a shepherd on behalf of the nation of Israel. 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on that cross, he was acting as a shepherd for all of humanity so that we could be protected from the separation that we face from God for all eternity because of our sin. The Lord is my shepherd. And there's just one more point that I want to make. There's two. But this is how preachers do it when we think we're going too long. I say one more, and then I make it, and then I say one more. So there's two more. There's two more. Please hear this. Maybe above and beyond anything else I've said to this point, hear what I'm about to say. Sheep are worthwhile. Yeah, they're not that smart. Yeah, they follow the pack. Yeah, they don't have any defenses. But listen, sheep are worthwhile. In biblical days, shepherds would lay down their life for the sheep. The sheep were so valuable that the shepherd would fight on their behalf. And if you're not following because I'm not communicating clearly, let me say it. You are so valuable. You matter so much to God. You are an individual soul that God has created and you will last for all eternity. And God meant something specific 
when he created you. And he loves you, and if I can just be a little bit poetic, he has dreamed about you. He's designed you on his draft board, and you're just the way he wants you to be. And you do have a problem. You're a sinner. But God says that's only a comma in your story. That's not the definitive statement about your life when you come to faith in Jesus. God meant something when he created you. And God has a stone that he wants you to throw with your life so that the world will know that Jesus is Lord. What is your stone going to be? Chelsea shares her testimony. That's a stone that she threw today. David wrote Psalm 23. That's a stone that he threw. What stones are God, is God calling you to throw with your life? I love scripture the way it comes alive. Let me read some scripture here. I'm fake wrapping up. I'll really be wrapping up at the next point. Luke chapter 12. Jesus says this, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Romans 5, 6, Paul says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Don't carry the shame of your sin. Jesus paid for it. And you're deeply, deeply loved. Psalm 139, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And then Luke 15, this is Jesus. What a parable. Jesus told this parable. He said, what man of you having a hundred sheep If he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Have you come to faith in Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, make that decision today. Acknowledge your sin. Invite him to be your Savior. And the Bible says there'll be a party in heaven because of that. That's really cool. Okay, now the real final, real last point, and I didn't go through all my verses here. I'm going to get really low grades for my use of the clicker. There we go. The last point, really quick. Uh, sheep are meant to flock together. So I love being here with you this morning. I love seeing so many of you here the first service. I see the fellowship. I see the connection you all have. Uh, I love it. Sheep are meant to flock together. Sheep are not animals that live alone. Eagles are alone, right? I mean, you know, alligators live out alone. Sheep are not meant to live alone. They're meant to live in a flock. And so that's a beautiful analogy. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says this, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We're we're meant to be together because there's strength when we're together. And we gather together 
with the good shepherd. And he's here today, and he loves you. And I'm grateful to be able to present this message. What I want to do is just give you all a minute. I've said a whole bunch of stuff here. Let me just give you a minute to process it, pray, and then I believe the team will lead us in some worship. And uh, will you take a few minutes right now?